0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM.
1: Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates every single day the people who make Coastal Mississippi a better place to live, work, and play. And one of the people who's making Coastal Mississippi a better place to live, work, and play, especially play, is our friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. He's here every single Friday, and uh, we're going to have him maybe for the whole show today, for certainly a, a big portion of the show today, to get the latest from saints uh, training camp i also want to invite uh kyle into the first part of the show so let me uh say hello to jeff this morning also good morning to kyle how you guys doing
2: all good here looking forward to uh, the first home game of the year ricky
1: yeah Kyle.
2: same pretty good here looking forward to monday
1: so kyle you're uh you you play the music at superdome during saints games you know you guys have been getting ready huh
2: Yeah, we've had a tech rehearsal on Monday, another one uh, last night. So we're ready to go for Monday. There's still some work to do. Um, Still got some work in the Superdome to complete before Monday. It's going to be right down to the wire. And you
1: had to show your card to HR and, you know, you've got all kinds of protocols that you're having to study up on. You mentioned yesterday.
2: Yeah, there was some uh, emails and uh, conversations had beforehand on uh, if. Whoever has been vaccinated, what your status was, and if you could show send a copy of uh, proof of vaccination, um, just so that they know going in what needs to be done as far as a staffing point, and they know where everybody's going, what field access, and which which part of the Superdome you're going to.
1: Yeah. Well. Cool. Cool. Well. Thanks. Thanks for that update. Let's let's move over to uh, Jeff. You're coming in uh, from uh, Saints. Training camp, man. There's so much to talk about, buddy. I mean, it's just like news is happening fast and furious. There, isn't there? Isn't it?
2: Yeah, it seems like a day doesn't go by that they haven't added some new players to the roster and cut some players. And I think it's going to be that way all year, to be honest with you. Uh, I think the personnel department, the coaching staff, uh, they continue to try and improve the depth of this roster. It was a concern going in to the to the training camp because of the off-season attrition. And they are not uh, letting moss grow on this rolling stone here. I mean, it is, it is a constant churn. They had four or five players in we saw on Monday at tryouts, and I think they signed all but one of them. And they've all been out of practice this week as they continue to try and uh, uh, find some solutions to the uh, to the problems they've had in the secondary. Uh, they've had some injuries to the offensive line. They've also brought in a new receiver, Kevin White, who some. Of listeners uh, might be familiar with. Kevin White was the number seven overall pick in the entire draft back in 2015. Chicago Bears high draft pick and he worked out for the team on Monday. He's kind of bounced around the league since his time in Chicago. Was with Arizona for a while, uh, San Francisco for a while, but he hasn't caught a pass in the NFL game since 2018. But he's a big, tall, fast receiver who's had a ton of injury issues. So I think the Saints... As they are prone to do, Ricky, they're not afraid to take chances on players, especially ones that were highly drafted, because you know they've got talent, and Kevin White certainly fits that mode.
1: Well, your, your team at NOLA.com did a good job of sort of telling that history. I mean, in 2016, they took a risk with Nick Fairley. It paid off. Uh, they tried Champ Bailey. That didn't necessarily work out. But, uh, you know, it's it, you know, sometimes when you make take these risks, they pay off, don't they?
2: Yeah, that's what Jameis Winston is, too. I mean, a number former number one overall pick. That's a Bill Parcells philosophy that Sean Payton has brought with him here to New Orleans. It, look, if you got drafted in the first round at some point, uh, you were talented. People in the NFL thought you were talented. There's a thought that you want to get those guys in the building at least and see for yourself. Maybe the fit wasn't right. Maybe there was some unusual circumstances somewhere else that led to that player not working out at a previous stop. You get him in the building and see if you can unlock that potential that others couldn't. Well, it's interesting. We're,
1: we'll get into this in just a minute. Well, but we, we, I want to kind of break it all down. But when you see what Malcolm Jenkins and others are saying about how, what they feel about this defense early in the process, it's a lot to look forward to. Of course, you still got concerns about the secondary. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But let's go back to the the preseason game, the first preseason game. Six turnovers. That drove Sean Payton
2: crazy, didn't it? Well, it gave him something to yell about. I mean, coaches love that. They love having something that they can hammer home, uh, have an edge to the team, uh, and that certainly was there along with the penalties. I'm not worried about the fumbles at all. I mean, these are players that have no track record of ball security issues. Got Veteran players like uh, Latavius Murray and Devonta Freeman, uh, those guys don't cough the ball up. I think that was a byproduct, Ricky, of not having live tackling during training camp, and this was the first live action where they've been brought to the ground, and uh, I don't think you'll see that a problem going forward. I'm more concerned about the interceptions because that has been, frankly, an issue with Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, Uh, so let's see if they clean that stuff up. You're not going to win any games making six turnovers. It's amazing the Saints had a chance to win it uh, like they did in the final two minutes. Uh, I was encouraged by everything I saw except uh, the turnovers, obviously.
1: Well, you started the game with a drop pass, you know, uh, and you, uh, OK, again, probably like the fumble. You know, you're not going to you're not going to see that too often. Um, let's take this. Let's look at the two interceptions. Uh, with Taysom Hill, you know, looking at sort of the review of it, was it true that the receiver stopped and should have been going forward or was
2: that really on Taysom? Well, it's really a, just a miscommunication. It's really neither one of them. It's a read that they're that Chai Montgomery is making, and what he saw as the coverage was different than what Taysom Hill saw. So it's really kind of an option route, the option being you continue on if there's one coverage, or you stop and settle if you see another coverage. They saw it differently, and that's why Taysom Hill throwing anticipating that Ty Montgomery is going to continue on with his route. Uh, those things happen. That's what the preseason's all about.
1: Well, of course, of course Sean Payton, let, You know, this is actually a time to really inject this point. The Sean Payton, and you've said this many times because, again, you wrote the book on Payton and Breeze, literally wrote the book on those two guys. Uh, but this whole notion that Drew, we were spoiled by Drew Brees' ability to get rid of the ball rapidly. I mean, his ability to read that defense and see these scenarios and move really quickly. The fact that uh, there was this miscommunication in the Taysom Hill deal that you just talked about. It it may be that that, that they're just not processing the information fast enough. I mean, Drew did spoil us in that regard, didn't he?
2: That's going to be one of the many things I think we all took for granted for Brees' And we're gonna see these things play out, I think, unfortunately, throughout the season. Little things like uh, protection calls, understanding where the pressure's coming from and getting the, the pass protection set at the line of scrimmage. He's really like a sixth offensive lineman in that way, the way he could read defenses. Uh, that's something that James Winston and Taysom Hill, they just don't have the, the experience that Drew Brees had. And I think that's gonna be something they're gonna to have to adjust to because I, both Hill and Winston Last season, and I'm seeing it all throughout camp, and we saw it Saturday. Tend to hold the ball much longer than Drew did, and it leads to more pressure, and uh, unfortunately, more sacks. See, I have a po- I have a. I had a more positive
1: view. I, I even though I saw what you saw. I liked a little bit more of what I saw during that first preseason game than maybe you would, or that that Kyle, for example, because Kyle, Kyle's got a good eye for this stuff. He immediately saw it. He said, "Man, I didn't see anything different. I saw more of the same of where we saw those two guys last year. They seemed a little sharper with their throws to me. I mean, I, um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch. But I tell you this, Jeff, you, know, you can you can comment on that and then add to it this." that rookie Ian Book, which you and I never talk about, he's getting a lot of positive review. This guy's got a really
2: strong football aptitude, doesn't he? Yeah, I wrote a column about Ian Book this week. Look, no less an authority than Ron Wolf, uh, who was in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, longtime general manager with the Raiders and the Green Bay Packers when they won their Super Bowls. Uh, Ron Wolf texted a New Orleans Saints official, win the draft, was occurring when they took Ian Book and said he's the steal of the draft. He loves Ian Book. He's a big believer in being able to win at that position, being able to lead, and those are the intangible qualities that Ian Book has. Look, his first start as a rookie uh, in taking control of the second half, I mean, there were some rough spots. You're going to have that. I mean, there's just a lot coming at you. The Ravens blitzed a lot in that game, and the pass protections just haven't quite been established yet in camp but I saw a lot of good things. Poise, I saw command of the huddle, tempo, all those things you look for at the quarterback position that I also frankly saw from Winston and Hill. I liked the demeanor they carried themselves, the body language, the decisiveness that they had for the most part. Yes, they're holding the ball a little too long, but that's going to come. I think that'll come with reps. So I like what I saw from Ian Book for sure.
1: Okay, so everything I read, I don't care who's writing it. The, the, the quarterback competition is still very much up in the air, isn't it?
2: Oh yeah, and I think it's going to go down to the wire. I would like to see somebody separate themselves, and it just hasn't happened yet. I don't think it's because they're both playing outstanding by any means, but I don't think either one of them has been terrible. They've just kind of been uh, right in the middle. One will have a good series of practice, and then not have as good a series, uh, and it carries on even from day to day. Uh, But I I will say this, Ricky, I I think whoever wins the job, this team will be good enough in other facets of the game to win games regardless. I think either one of them is good enough to win.
1: We'll come back with Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune after this break.
0: Coast View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I 10, exit 38, Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk, Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome back to Coast View. I'm Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. Great friend to Coastview. cares a lot about Coastal Mississippi. He loves Coastal Mississippi. And uh, anyway, Jeff, coming back to the quarterback situation, it, you know, you and I talked the last time we visited about when um, when the two quarterbacks. Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill are talking to the media. They're certainly saying all the right things. They're 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 cool as a cucumber. They're talking about they're they're humble and all of these things. But just before we went to a break, you said you hope one of them separates themselves. So so do I actually. You know, now that they're they're getting a lot of reps, they're sharing a lot of time. You know, we're getting some some real time football in the in the uh, in in the um, uh, preseason. But as you pointed out in your book, this is a this is a very complicated uh, offense. There's a lot the cornerback has to think through. A lot of reads he has to make, a lot of progressions he has to go through. You have to have a Ph.D. in football. That's what you say in your book. So, has either one of them earned their Ph.D. yet?
2: Oh, no, I don't think so. I mean, like, I think they both know the offense very well, but there are levels to this offense that I don't think you're going to get to uh, that Drew Brees was able to get to in 15 years. I mean, there's just so much time on task that they don't have. Uh, it was interesting to that point, Ricky, talking to Ian Book yesterday about the offense and his you know learning curve in it. And he, he said he's got to tell himself to slow down, that he's not going to get it all at one time. But this was interesting. He said his big uh, point of emphasis in the game was to be able just to enunciate those long play calls and do it with confidence and forcefulness so that his teammates would believe in him. He said this was his first time calling it in the huddle. He had some of the offensive linemen that are veterans in the huddle with him and he wanted them to believe in him. So he spent time in his hotel room on Saturday before the game, calling out the play calls in the mirror in his hotel room, because he said he needed to do it and go through it and enunciate it the proper way uh, so people would believe in him. That's how is that's how much attention to detail this young guy has, and everything I've heard from the coaching staff, they loved the way he commanded the huddle on Saturday. You know, I, I shared this
1: on on Coastview not long ago, but I saw a, a documentary about the making of Jaws, and or or maybe it was a documentary about Steven Spielberg, and. What most people don't know is they literally wrote that movie as they were filming it. And at one point, the producer said to Steven Spielberg, I know you don't know what's coming next, but don't let anybody know it. Because if you show it, it's going to really be a problem. The fact that Ian Book, as young as he is, sort of gets the fact that this that confidence and this sort of high motivation of confidence is very contagious. And if you lack it, that's also contagious. The fact that he knows that that's really telling you a lot about him as a leader, isn't it?
2: Yeah. He's got a lot of intangible qualities that you look for in that position. And he understands it now, whether he's good enough remains to be seen, but that part of playing quarterback, being the field general, being the CEO, uh, understanding body language and confidence and all those things that that everyone is looking for in that position. He's got that, and that's the reason he was the winningest quarterback in the history of Notre Dame football. That's a 132-year-old football program, uh, so you don't do that by accident. And that's what Ron Wolf, the, the Packers GM, was telling me. He said, that, you know, Notre Dame is the football-playing institution in college football. It just is, It's got that kind of tradition, and for him to go there and beat out a bunch of other quarterbacks he came in as a three-star recruit, wasn't a big heralded player, says a lot about him. And, and the other thing, last thing I'll say about Ian Book that, that I think is worth noting, his offensive coordinator at Notre Dame for most of his tenure was Chip Long, who's now the offensive coordinator at Tulane. And I spent some time talking to Chip Long about him. And Chip Long is noted for being very tough on his quarterbacks, very tough. Kind of like that teacher you had back in, in middle school, who you hated and then years later you appreciated. And Chip Long said he's never had a star pupil like Ian Book. He said the guy could not take enough coaching. He, he It went right off his back. He liked the tough love, and that's also a good sign. Boy, it, it, re- it really is. Okay.
1: You could tell by the way they utilized Ty Montgomery that they're not shy at all about putting him out there.
2: No. I mean, he's going to be a big role player this year. As long as as they're still missing Michael Thomas in the year, they're going to need Ty Montgomery. He's played wide receiver a lot in the NFL. He's played a lot of running back, too. He's a very versatile chess piece in this offense, and we don't know early on what the status is going to be of Deontay Harris, who is going to have a big role in the receiving core. We know how good a return man he is. He's taken steps as a receiver. He's looking like a top-line receiver right now, but he could be facing some discipline from the league for an offseason incident. And so Ty Montgomery will probably step into that role, kind of that slot receiver role that we all saw Lance Moore operate in all those years in that great offense.
1: Yeah, I've been hearing, been hearing really good things about Deontay. Man, he, this guy, he came prepared, didn't he?
2: Yeah, he and uh, Marquez Callaway, the young receiver, second-year receiver, they're the two best receivers on the team right now. Uh, And they're two totally different kinds of receivers. Harris, diminutive little speedster, very elusive. His issue is he's not very big, so he gets physical corners. If he gets jammed at the line, he can get rerouted, and the timing can be off. Callaway's a big, tall, almost Marcus Colston-like receiver, very smooth strider, but very disciplined route runners, great hands. And we saw Callaway. I mean, he he connected with Taysom Hill on a couple big third down conversions on that opening drive, and they were going to score. On that opening drive, Ricky, uh, just it uh, was a turnover early in Tavis murray fumbling the ball, Oh, they would have at least gotten a field goal out of it in the red zone. That That's what I'm saying. Some of those drives ended in the red zone with turnovers, and I think those were uh, kind of flukish that I don't think we'll see an issue with that going forward. Callaway's got a new number and a new look. <laughs> yeah, he does, and he's a very impressive guy. When you talk to him, uh, he carries himself with more confidence. He knows that he's kind of taken another step. He knows the team's counting on him, and he looks like a number one receiver right now. It's really amazing the transformation he's had. And if you're out there and your fantasy football drafts are coming up, (laughs) I'd take number one for for the Saints because I think he's going to have a big year.
1: They played him a lot in that first game. I'm assuming this is because they wanted to work on the timing with the quarterbacks, give the quarterbacks an opportunity to shine. I mean, uh, that's most likely what was behind that, huh?
2: Well, look, he hasn't played a lot of football. I mean, he didn't play a lot last year. He was an undrafted free agent out of Tennessee, uh, really didn't start playing until midseason. And so he's got a lot of football to learn, especially the receiver position. He's playing the X position Uh, in this offense. That's Mike Thomas's position. They ask a lot of that. A lot of balls are going to be coming his way. He has to make a lot of reads. So I think the more reps a young player like that gets, the better.
1: That makes sense. Jones Jr. and the rest of the running back core, what's your assessment?
2: Well, Tony Jones can run. I mean, he's got great vision. We saw it not only on his runs between the tackles, some of those outside zone read runs, and also on screen passes. He looked a little like Pierre Thomas out there. Ah, uh, bobbing and weaving down the field. Got to hold on to the ball, though. I mean, he had the ball in the wrong hand. Not only the time he fumbled, but also another time where he almost lost another fumble. That stuff will wash out all the good you did in Sean Payton's mind. He does not cotton to bo- poor ball security. He'll he'll allow you to fumble, but not when you're fundamentally wrong. Bringing uh, having the ball in your outside hand before contact. That's something he's got to get a handle on. I'm sure he will.
1: So coming back to the game last week, um, the defense. Well, I can't say that I was surprised, but I was very pleased. It looked like they were running. They were the quickness of the defense to me. It stood out.
2: Yeah, I agree. They played with great energy, and it was throughout the the depth chart. I mean, all all levels. I think this front seven is going to be the strength of the team, including the offense. That front seven. I had some concerns going into camp because they'd lost. Malcolm Brown and Sheldon Rankins and Trey Hendrickson. Uh, I really think the front seven is going to be solid, maybe even dominant. I mean, the the Ravens had four offensive series and couldn't even get a first down. A couple short yardage stuffs by the front line. That's going to be a strength of this team. Uh, the linebacker core is deeper. These young linebackers you and I have talked about all played well. I think in the game the other day, Zach Bond led the team in tackles. Looked the part of an NFL linebacker. Uh, so all those things were encouraging signs.
1: You know what was interesting, Jeff? Of course, when we say quickness, this sort of goes with it, but they were pursuing the ball. They were staying in their lanes. Okay. But then when they when the play went another direction, man, they were team tackling. They were, I mean, when the tackle came to it, when when the player went down, there were four, five, six Saints jerseys that were just tumbling on the ground with them. That was, God, man, you don't normally see that in a preseason game, man. I mean, just, it's like, it was like it was the Super
2: Bowl and they were trying to win the Super Bowl. It was unbelievable to watch. Yeah, and I think that's just a product of not getting, that's your first action of the year and you're into it. Now, look, we have to temper our enthusiasm a little bit. I mean, they were going against backups for the Ravens. I mean, we didn't see Lamar Jackson out there. A lot of the front line guys, a lot of the front offensive linemen were in the, in the game as well. But that's what you want to see is a player like David Onyemata, Marcus Davenport, playing extended reps against backups. You want to see them dominate, and they did that. And I think David onyemata I mean, what I've seen in camp, what I saw in that preseason game, he's the best defensive lineman on the team right now. He's a dominant player, and him missing this first six games is going to be a big loss. They've got players that can come in, I think, and fill the gap, but they're not difference-makers the way Onyemata is. They'll hold their own. But not to the extent of David Onimata.
1: When we come back, we're going to talk more about the secondary and all these adjustments that are happening there. And, the, and we'll go a little bit deeper into some of these new players that are coming onto the scene. We'll see you at this break with Jeff Duncan.
0: Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast
1: View. Uh, you know, one of the benefits of having been a president and publisher for m- multiple organizations, including the Sun Herald, um, is that I got to meet some amazing reporters along the way. I've got I've k- maintained terrific relationships with some in- really incredible uh, reporters. Some of them still at the Sun Herald, some over in Mobile, and some in Birmingham and Huntsville, and in uh, Times and Nola dot com. The time I spent in New Orleans, just some of the most talented. Pulitzer Prize winning journalists um, and editors, some of the best I've ever worked with, incredible. And Jeff Duncan's one of them. Jeff, Jeff has covered the Saints longer than anyone else. Uh, currently covering the Saints, he's on the Hall of Fame selection committee for the NFL. He's written numerous books about the Saints, most recently, the book about uh, Drew Brees and Sean Payton, that has done extraordinarily well. And we're lucky. We're lucky, you know, I guess because of our friendship. But I think mostly because you care deeply about the Gulf region, you know that your voice is way beyond New Orleans. And this is an opportunity for people to get to know you. One last, one thing I'll say before we we start our conversation, this, the, the part about secondary, et cetera, is that I really want to encourage people to go to NOLA.com and look at the number of resources they have focused on the saints. And I, I, I read NOLA.com times begin every day. I was there you know, as president of that company at one point, but really, I care about New Orleans, and I, I'm able. They have some of the best journalists in the country focused on that area, so the amount of news and content they produce is extraordinary. But the work that they're doing to cover the Saints is, is literally unparalleled. And and Jeff, sort of one of the stars of that group. So really encourage you to go there. You can subscribe. It's it's very inexpensive, and uh, you'll be. I think you'll be glad you did. Sign up for their daily newsletter. That's what I get, and it really helps direct you. They do an amazing job with that newsletter. So um, I just can't say enough good things about them. So coming back to you, Jeff. Um, well, the secondary is is an issue, obviously. Um, what's your thoughts on what you saw and what are you seeing in the camp?
2: Well, I, I tell you, Kim Crawley has played well in camp. I mean, he's had his issues in the past. We've seen that movie before. But in camp, I'll say he's playing with confidence. He understands there's an opportunity there for him. Right now, he's the starting cornerback opposite Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore is, hands down, the best cornerback on this team. You can just see it with your own eyes. You don't have to be Newt Rockney to see it out here at practice. But they need to upgrade that other position, not only because of King Crawley's track record, but also just depth-wise. I mean, they, they, one of these guys could go down. We don't know what's gonna happen with Marshawn Lattimore, disciplinary action by the league. So they have constantly been trying to bring in more corners. They brought in one this week, named, a guy named Natrell Jamison, who actually was a Saints draft pick a few years ago. Uh, he got cut in camp and ended up on the New York Giants for a while, and he bounced around the league. They've re-signed him, young player. I think they want to try and get somebody young. There's some older vets that are out there that are available, but I just don't feel like that's the answer right now. That's not the solution. A guy in particular, Josh Norman, has some people in the building pushing his name, but he did not look very good last year for the Buffalo Bills. I think the Saints would prefer a young player there, so they're going to give Jamison a shot, but I think it's still uh, you know, they've not solved that position yet going into the season. I think there's more work to be done. Well, what,
1: okay, so um, Malcolm Jenkins Jenkins said this week that he really likes what he sees, and he knows that it's early in the training camp, but he's got more confidence than he normally has. Is he just trying to make people feel good about the
2: situation, or do you think he
1: really likes what he sees?
2: No, I agree with him. The most encouraging thing I've seen in camp is this defense. Regardless of what happens at quarterback, uh, I think this team, the questions I had coming into camp was they lost so much in the offseason because of the attrition of the salary cap and some pre-agency losses. I wasn't sure what the defense was going to look like. It looks very good. I understand what Malcolm's saying, and I don't think he was being boastful or just overly optimistic. I think this front seven is going to be dominant, and I think most of the secondary is very solid. If they can shore up that one cornerback spot, I think this team could be a, a top-five defense again. And that's something I didn't know going into camp.
1: So what Kyle said, Kyle Curley, producer of the show, our buddy, what he says, though, he watches the game. And he says, okay, you got all these other pieces in place, and they can be doing well. But when we go against something like Tampa Bay, and some of these others that have these Beasters. What he fears is it was just gonna get burned on the outside. Do you feel like that? Or do you think it's gonna be different than last year? Or you know, what's your what's your thought about that?
2: Well, I think they match up well with Tampa. I think they're one of the few teams that can match up with them. Look, this game is still won in the trenches, and that's the strength of this Saints team. Offensive and defensive lines are still very good, very talented, and that's uh, where I think they can match up with Tampa Bay. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen at quarterback. So in games like that, where you're evenly matched, it comes down to breaks, turnovers, penalties, and quarterback play. And frankly, that's the question mark. That's why a lot of people are picking Tampa Bay, obviously, over the Saints. Even though the Saints are four-time champions and beat the Bucks two out of three times, uh, there's a decided edge right now, I think, in quarterback with Tampa Bay.
1: Okay so you and I you mentioned Kevin White at the beginning of the show the wide receiver and off offline you and I were talking about you know the some of the bets that they've made along the way some of those have worked out some of those haven't but when you watch uh, Kevin White in practice I, I know he just like landing on the ground is he is he immediately standing out is he fitting in really well what kind of guy is he
2: yeah he he, he looks a lot like I would say a thicker. Marquez Callaway, he's a muscled up guy he can really run uh, talent's never been the question mark that's the reason he was the number seven overall pick in the entire draft he has not been able to stay healthy He's sort of an offensive version of Quan Alexander the talent's there but is it reliable can you count on that player being durable enough to hold up over a 16 17 game season that's the question but there's no doubt He's a big, strong guy that can run. He made a couple of very nice plays in practice today. You can see the talent and why they rolled the dice on him. Like I said before, the Saints love taking these kind of chances on talented guys. Uh, sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. But I like the fact that they are still trying to upgrade that position. I think the concern right now at the receiving core, uh, and this, this goes to a little bit of what we saw last year, can they get separation? We know Deontay Harris can. He's diminutive, but he's quick. These other guys are big, tong, wall-strided guys. I'm not sure we've seen them consistently get open against elite, front-level cornerbacks in the NFL. That's why they brought in Kevin White.
1: You know, one of the things I've been curious about, just as a fan, um, you, you said that they, they brought in five guys. They, I think they signed most of them. But the point is, is there always a core group of the team that's going to be just practice guys and they know they're going to get rid of them? Are they literally at every single position trying to cause some kind of a a domino effect? I mean, mean, how do they approach that?
2: Well, general managers in this league, and I remember Randy Mueller, the old Saints general manager, telling me that his job during camp was always trying to improve the bottom 10 players on the roster. And that's exactly what I've seen from Jeff Ireland and Mickey Loomis. They're constantly having players in in here for tryouts, trying to improve the competition, the depth at every position. And it always comes down to those bottom 10 roster spots. Can you get better there? Because, frankly, you're probably going to need some of these guys as the season goes on, Uh, as injuries occur. Those are the first people you call, guys that have been in the building Players that know the offensive system, the defensive system, have familiarity with what you're doing because they have to be up to snuff quick once the season starts. So they're going to constantly churn those positions and also try and improve just the competitive balance during practice. They want to increase the competitive level uh, across the board. It's, It's a very, very competitive environment out here. Sean Payton loves to churn it up. At practice every day and create that kind of winning atmosphere. It's part of the culture here. It's been that way since he's been the coach.
1: Well, you you and I have talked about Ireland multiple times, but it's just not like he's like he's working just one part of the year and he scores big and then he takes some time off. His job is literally 365 days a year, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and I tell you the thing I've noticed about it, I was saying this to a colleague at practice today. I would like to do a. Might be an upcoming story you see in the Times-Picayune just on how many undrafted college free agents that the Saints have signed when Jeff Ireland has been here, and how many of them are still in the league, whether with the Saints or with other teams, a guy like Dan Arnold, for instance. The Saints signed a few years ago the tight end, played here a couple years, ended up in Arizona. Now he's in Carolina. The Saints are going to see him twice a year now. Uh, He's had a very productive NFL career. The Saints found him as an undrafted player. They've got a couple of guys this year that I think are going to make the team uh, that were undrafted guys. It really speaks to the scouting ability, the player evaluation, personnel evaluation skills of Jeff Ireland. I think it's been a huge factor in the Saints' recent success.
1: Man, you know what? It it takes an organization that hits at every cylinder. I mean, the the support mechanism this team has is just as well old as we discussed Sean Payton's coaching ability is, but you, you to be to win. I mean, you I mean you got to build winning into the culture of the organization. And of course, you and I talk lots about that. I mean, what what a winning culture looks like, and and now that they also own the the Pelicans, how do they build that culture into the Pelicans and 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 make a winner out of it? But when we come back, we'll finish our conversation with Jeff Duncan. We'll see you right after this break.
0: Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome back to Coast View. We have Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. And what what an exciting time of the year as we sort of look at you know what are the saints doing to build. A winning team. And as we were saying before we went to the break, they know how to build a winning organization. Um, Hey, so let's kind of go rapid fire through some other things here. Um, You and I have talked about the Achilles injury for Quan Alexander. You and everyone close to this says this is a very, very tough injury to come back from. They're easing him in, but you like what you see so far.
2: Yeah, he's slowly but surely being more active in practice. He worked in team drills for the first time yesterday. It's the first time we've seen him in team drills, and I think he's uh, clearly escalating his activity and practice. Uh, We'll see how far they go if they let him get into a preseason game. I'll be surprised because Sean Payton has said they want to take a very conservative approach with him because they want him healthy for the real games, not right now.
1: What's interesting, and let's just talk about this for people who may not have understood this, What's interesting about an Achilles repair is they don't necessarily worry about the, the Achilles that was repaired, do they, Jeff?
2: No, not at all. It's a very, uh, they've made a lot of progress in how they treat that injury and how they repair it, and that's why we've seen him make such a really quick comeback. I mean, those things usually would take a full year, and he looks tremendous out here. I mean, I can't even tell he's had uh, an injury, but it's not just that injury that you worry about, it's it, sometimes there's a compromising effect to the other leg uh, when you have a, an injured lower lower leg injury like that, and that's a concern. And he's had so many injury problems in the past with other injuries, knees, ankles, feet, that uh, I think you know. right now he looks great, but you gotta hold your breath with him just because of his track record.
1: I follow him closely, as you and I have discussed before on on social media, just because I became interested in in him as a player. And, uh, boy, he is very, very, very committed to his regimen of recovery. And, you know, to have been injured as many times as he has, a lot of players just kind of give up. I mean, they just give up. But, I mean, he's actually mastered the rehab aspect of of what he's doing. And um, I guess he just wants to show people that he's serious about it. And, of course, ultimately, you said the ultimate – the ultimate evidence of recovery is what he does on the field,
2: right? Yeah, it's a huge year for him, too. I mean, he signed a pretty bargain basement deal with the Saints because of his injury history. This is a kind of a prove-it year for him. Uh, his career is at a crossroads as well. He's got to have a productive, healthy season, and then that could lead to a bigger long-term contract after this year. So I expect to see the best version of... Quan Alexander, you can have, it he's so passionate about the game. He has such energy. He and Chauncey Gardner Johnson are kind of the energizers or bunnies out there on the defense. It's infectious the way they play, and that's what you want on defense. You talked about running to the ball. Uh, that's never a problem with Quan Alexander.
1: No, it's not. Okay, so one of the things that plays into most of the players on this team, if they don't make sort of the first team, is is uh, if if everything else is sort of even. How they can contribute to special teams is a big part of sort of the overall equation, isn't it?
2: Yeah, so a good example of that might be Devontae Freeman, uh, the running backup running back right now. I think he's in a battle to make this team with the young Tony Jones, Jr., who's a very good special teams player. We see him out there on special teams in the early uh, first-team units. Devontae Freeman's not out there. So all things considered, unless Freeman is way better In the regular offense, uh, you've got a guy that's cheaper, younger, and is playing special teams and contributing in other ways. Those are the decisions that the coaching staff and front office executives, that's what can make or break a player's chances of making the team. We see that at a, a number of positions, backup linebacker, some of these young guys who's going to be best on special teams because they have to contribute some way to be on the 45-man active roster on game days. So for fans out there, when you watch the game Monday night against Jacksonville, notice early in the game the young players on the kickoff coverage, the kickoff return, the punt return. If you see young players in there, that's a good sign for them to make this final active roster.
1: Speaking of special teams, at least initially, we're going to have a different kicker. What's the latest on that competition?
2: Well, they haven't signed anybody yet, but Sean Payton said they would have somebody in, I would imagine, before this next game. It's critical. I mean, unfortunate injury to Meyer gets hurt in pregame warm-ups, uh, and th- they thought they'd had that position kind of settled. And now they've got to get back into the pre-agent hunt, try and find a veteran. I think they want a veteran guy, uh, but I don't think they want to rush into this. He, Sean Payton even Kennedy. He said, look, if we don't sign one, we'll just go for two and go for it on fourth down in this preseason game. I mean, it doesn't matter if you think about it, but they want to get somebody in the building, get acclimated to the system and what they do uh, on special teams, obviously. Saints are going to
1: have a new punter for the first time in a long, long time. What's what your thinking on this?
2: Oh, I was just saying to a colleague today at practice, we need to do a feature story on Blake Gilligan. I mean, he is a stud. This guy is a big time player. I, I think people are going to be amazed at how big a leg he's got. I mean, he had a 61-yarder and a 58-yarder the other day. He booms the ball so so uh, high in practice in the indoor facilities, clanging them off the rafters, it's it's not high enough for them to can have have his punts in there. He's going to be a weapon for them on.
1: Special. Was it was it Russell Archslave that used to hit the uh the the replay screens in the Superdome.
2: <laughs> yeah, the gondola, the, the, yeah. the scoreboard at the top. Yeah, this this guy can boom it. I can see why they stashed him on the practice squad last year because they knew Thomas Morstead was going to be the punter, final year of his contract. But they saw that talent in that right leg. Uh, he's a big time weapon now. Some, can you do some of the other things that we saw Morstead do, the onside kicks and, and the uh, you know controlling the ball with the punt? That's what I'm eager to see because Morstead was so much more than just a punter. He could do a lot of different things with the ball from his rugby background.
1: Well, it's been a great visit, Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com at the Times-Picay We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend, my friend.
2: You too. We'll talk about the Jaguars game when I get back next week, buddy. You bet. We'll see ya. Tebow got cut, so we'll talk about that as well.